For those of you who don't know me, my name is Patricia. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. And I'm glad that you found your way here despite the flu that's going around uh, and despite the snow that fell down this morning. Um, but I actually was kind of excited about it. I love snow. So sorry for those of you who don't. Um, I'm up here because our lead pastor is currently in Africa right now. And it's a little bit too far to travel to be here this morning to speak to you. So you get to listen to me speak. But before I do that, um, I'm not sure if all of you have social media. But for those of you who don't, you might have missed the post that Pastor Ryan made a couple of days ago where he shared some photos um, in Sierra Leone, Africa, where he and Pastor Josh currently are right now. So I pulled out some photos, and I wanted to just show them to you. There we go. Um, so he just posted a few photos of some of the kids and the people. We'll go to the next one. I don't think my clicker's working again this morning, guys. That's all right. Dwight is awesome, and he's going to help me out. So here's another picture, and the next one. There we go. And the next one. <laughs> guys, look at this. Look at this lady right here. <laughs> She's like, you tall. <laughs> And then the next picture, look how happy Ryan looks. <laughs> That's our lead pastor, for those of you who don't know. And this is a goat, actually, that the village gave Radiant Life. And um, if you don't know anything about their culture, to be given a goat is actually a really big deal. And so it's just neat to see that good connections are being made. Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh um, are there and just making connections because we are hoping to partnership with this village in Sierra Leone. There's another picture here too. There we go. Uh, just so you can kind of get um, just a picture of what it's like there. And so a couple of things for you to pray for. First of all, Pray for Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh. They're flying back tomorrow, and so they've got quite a long flight to get back here, so just pray safe travels for them. Second, pray for this village. Pray for the people there, and pray for a radiant life that we would know how to partnership with them because we believe that God is going to do just some amazing things with this village because God is always doing something. Wouldn't you agree? We might not always be able to see that he's doing something or feel that he is, but he's always doing something. And we might not understand what he's doing or understand how or why he does the things he does, but that's not the point. The point is that he's always doing something. But I think sometimes we have seasons in our lives where we don't see him, we don't feel him, we certainly don't understand what he's doing or why he's doing things the way that he is. And sometimes our souls and our minds can think, well, he's not doing anything. And I, I just wanted to share with you this morning a season in my life where my heart and my soul got really bitter towards God because I was in that place. I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. I certainly didn't understand him. And I allowed that to affect my relationship with him. And um, it was during a time where I was going to Kingswood University, which is a ministry school in New Brunswick, Canada. And I, f I felt like things were going really well. I felt like I was finally on the road that God had called me to be on. I was finally being obedient and doors were being opened. And then all of a sudden, I felt like all those doors got shut. 
Because I was in Georgia, I worked in Georgia for a couple of summers at Camp Pathway, which is the camp that's connected with Hepzibah Children's Ministry, if you're familiar with them. And um, so I worked as a camp counselor for a couple of summers. And I, I enjoyed Georgia for the most part. There were a couple of things I didn't like about Georgia, like the heat. I'm from Maine. I like the snow. I like the cold. So when it was like 109, 110 degrees, I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Uh, and the other thing I didn't really like um, was the, the water. Like I, I grew up swimming in the river. Okay, talking about the, the river that's so cold that you're numb, but then you're so numb you don't realize it's cold. That's what I'm used to swimming in. And to swim in a pool is still a very strange thing for me. And I remember the first time I got into a lake in Georgia, I felt like I had just gotten into that part of the pool where all the kids just peed. Because, it, you know what I'm talking about? It's just that warm, like... So that was the, the first time I was in a lake in Georgia and the last time I was in a lake in Georgia. Uh, so there's, there were a lot of things I liked about it, but there were a lot of things that near the end of my second time that I really started to not like it because the door was shut and I actually ended up staying in Georgia for five extra months uh, than I anticipated and a semester off from school. Sorry, my mic's being weird. Took a semester off from school due to finances and family and really struggled to see God and to see what he was doing. And so I found myself in a place where I was far away from home. Um, all of the people that I knew that had gone down to Georgia with me had gone back to school and I was left there. And I, I remember sitting down by a pond in Georgia and just really crying out to God. And I was bitter, and I didn't see what he was doing, and I got to a point where I didn't think he was doing anything. And I ended up connecting with a mentor and just processed through those emotions and what I was feeling, and he challenged me not to live into my emotions, but to live into who God is, because God is still the same God when things are going how we want them to and when they're going how we wouldn't exactly desire them to go. And so my prayer changed, and I prayed, okay, God, I'm in this season. I'm clearly going to be here for a little while. <laughs> what is it you want me to learn? Give me a teachable spirit and help me to grow. And it was during that time when I was praying, like, okay, God, what is it that you want from me in this season? He was like, you need to get into my word. You need to read my word, and you need to allow that to fill you up. See, it's really easy when things are going really good to just fill yourself up with all of the other things. But when things go really bad, that's typically when we turn to him and we're like, okay, God, help me out. But he really was like in all seasons, you need to be in my word and allow me to fill you up. And that was when I did my first full read through of the Bible. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I'm not the most consistent person, so I can start a journal because I love writing, and I can do really good for like a month, and then I skip a week, and then I do a day, and then I just keep skipping, and then before I know it, it's January again, and I'm like, okay, this year I'm actually going to keep a good journal, and it's like an endless cycle. So to actually pick up the Bible and be consistent with reading it daily was a discipline for me, but I knew that that was what I desired. I needed more of God in me. And so he brought me to 1 Kings, and there was a story in it 
that I really felt like the spirit kind of circled and was like, this is what you're going to live in in this season. This is what you need to believe and live out of. And I lived out of that and learned from that for probably a good year and a half. But like all things, you know, time goes by and you jump into a new story and you learn something new and you live into that for a while. And so I actually hadn't looked at this chapter in probably, I would say, five years until this past week. Um, I came here Sunday, first service, whatnot, and first service got done, and I knew that my, my spirit wasn't well, my mind wasn't well, my body wasn't well, and so I actually went to a couple people, and I said, I need you to pray for me right now. And if any of you are like, when you have moments like that, where you're just not well in whatever capacity, find somebody to pray for you, because there is power in prayer. And so I found a couple of people, I said, you just need to pray for me. And I actually left, I rested, got some medicine, we're doing a lot better, laid low this week. Um, So I stayed home on Monday, and I sat on my couch, and I was just, just questioning the Lord. And I was like, God, I just... I need you to show up. What would you teach me? What am I supposed to learn in this season right now that I'm in? And he brought me to 1 Kings chapter 17, which is where he brought me about six years ago when I was in Georgia. And he circled it again and was like, this. You need to live into this. And so if you don't mind, I'm just going to sit down and we're just going to chat. And I'm, I'm just going to share with you um, things that I learned within my personal devotional time with the Lord. And so don't see this as I'm up here teaching or preaching. I want us to just learn together. And um, we're going to read through the whole chapter, First uh, Kings chapter 17. And so I don't have the verses up here on the screen, but you can follow along. My version is going to be a little bit different because I am reading from the English Standard Version, so I apologize for that. But I, I still have notes from six years ago in here. Um, and I just want to walk through it. We're just going to go verse by verse. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but I really feel like um, this, is, this is what we're supposed to do this morning. But I'm going to pray first. God, would you... Just show up and meet us this morning. Would you give us teachable spirits? Would you be the one who fills us up? And would we um, just learn to trust you a little bit more? Learn to know that you are doing something when things are going well, when they're not going well, when things are just neutral. And would you help us to just walk in your spirit? Renew us and fill us. In Jesus' name. So chapter 17, 1 Kings, opens with this. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, which I was sharing first service, it'd be funny if that's how we introduced ourselves to people. Like, Patricia, the Mainer from Maine in Strong Maine. Like, it's just funny. Anyway, Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. Before chapter 17, we really don't know much about Elijah. We do know that in James chapter 5, it says that he was a man with a nature like ours. So we can believe that 
you know, when, when seasons happened that he could have questioned them or just wondered, like, we, we don't know. But I like to think that maybe Elijah had some of those moments. So we don't know much about Elijah up until this point, but we do know that Ahab was the king, and he wasn't a good king. He was wicked. And he had introduced this false gall, false gall, what? This false god, Baal. There we go. Here's, here's Baal. Uh, he was known as the god of fertility. And so at this time, when Elijah goes before King Ahab, they did not believe in the God of Israel. They, right now, idolatry was kind of a big thing in their land. So for Elijah to go before this wicked king and say, hey, it's not going to rain for three years until I say it does, and that's God speaking through Elijah to King Ahab, is a really big deal. First of all, that's a lot of faith that Elijah has in God's word to go before this guy and say something like that. Second of all, their God is known as the God of fertility. So to them, he would have been the guy that was making it rain and providing all the crops. So this moment is almost a moment where God's like, okay, you think he's all that? You think Baal is this big God? Well, I'm going to show you that he's nothing. Then we get to verse 2. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. When God calls you to go somewhere, do you go? Oh, good. Good job. Olivia goes, yes. <laughs> Go, and you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and he lived by the brook Kareth, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. First of all, the word Kareth, the brook Kareth, it means to cut or to separate. And I just find word studies fascinating, so this is more, more out of a fun thing to discover. But when I, when I learned that, it was like, okay, it's almost like God was separating him. Like, okay, Elijah, you, just, you, you did good. You went to the king. You did what I asked. Now just come. Come and let me fill you up. I'm going to provide. I'm going to feed you. And it's interesting that, that God uses things we wouldn't typically use to accomplish his purpose. So he's, he sends ravens to feed Elijah. Now, I don't know if you know, I've got a picture of a raven up here. I don't know if you know much about ravens, but they're a dirty bird. Honestly, I think they're a little creepy looking. I mean, look at this. And the next one, it's just like, I don't, I don't know. They kind of sketch me out a little bit, but it's all good. God used a bird like this to feed Elijah. Now, mind you, it wasn't like worms that the ravens were feeding him. It was bread, and it was meat, and it was good. But I love that God uses things that we wouldn't expect to do some amazing things. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. You know, when I read it, again, this is just, this is just me and my devotion time with the Lord. This is me just looking at it. Okay, God, what are you going to teach me? That's where we're at. After a while, the brook dried up. You know, it's super easy to have a lot of faith in God when the brook is running. 
but when it's dried up, it's a little bit harder. And I don't know, maybe some of you have some dried brooks in your life right now, whether it's your family, whether it's your finances, whatever it might be. It can be really hard to trust God in that. But what I love about this story is that God had, he had, it didn't end there. There was provision beyond that. He still provided in that. He still had a purpose. He still had a place for Elijah to go. And so we get to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Another fun uh, word study here, Zarephath, the place that he was called to, means to refine. So I have to believe, you know, God, God calls us to separate sometimes so that we're fed by him. And then he refines us. And, and you know your story better than I know your story. So you know the places that God has called you to fill you up or to refine you. But I, I, again, it's just another fun word study. And we continue. It says, so he arose. Again, God called him to go somewhere and he went. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives. Notice she doesn't claim this God as her own. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die." If you know anything about widows within biblical times, they were not rich people. And the fact that she's outside of the city gates collecting wood shows us that she doesn't even have enough money to buy firewood. And God's going to use her to provide for Elijah. Again, God doesn't always use the things we expect him to, but he uses things and he's still doing something. And then, and I love this, Elijah's response to her, it just kind of makes me giggle. Uh, she says, essentially, all right, so I don't, I don't have much. I'm just going to make something for my son and I, and then we're going to starve to death. And Elijah's like, do not fear. Go and do as you said, but first make me a little cake. <laughs> all right, okay, you just told me that you're getting ready to, to starve to death. Well, before you do that, make me a cake. <laughs> but he doesn't end there. He continues, and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Again, God does things in ways that our minds will probably never understand. But that's who God is. He's always doing something. We get to verse 17 if you're following along. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Ever feel like you have a season in your life where there's just like nothing left in you? And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin in remembrance and to cause the death of my son. 
And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. I have to believe in that moment that she suddenly realized that God is God and he's doing something. And, and when I was reading that part, when I was in Georgia, I, I loved that line where it said, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Because my morning prayer when I get up every morning is, Lord, renew me. Renew my mind, renew my heart, renew my spirit, because I need to. <laughs> if I don't pray that prayer, my day is not going to be good. <laughs> and so that started when I was in Georgia. And that idea of him just being revived. But he was revived by the word of the Lord. And that's what I needed then. And those are just some things that as I was reading that, um, the story when I was in Georgia, that really kind of jumped off the page about six years ago. And they jumped off the page again this week because I needed to be reminded that God is always doing something. It might not be how we would do it, it might not be in a way that we would want it to be done. We might not sense it. We might not feel it, but he's always doing something. And so in those moments, are you trusting that God is God? Are you trusting him enough to go where he calls you to go? And when you go where he calls you to go, there were these three questions I was challenged with, and I'm going to ask you them. Do you let God prune you there? Do you let him cut off those things that are not of him? Do you let him feed you? Is he the one who's filling you up? Or is it television and social media and words that are not true and not rooted in God? And do you let him refine you? Do you let him work in you? Do you say, okay, God, give me a teachable spirit. Weed the things out. Refine me. Renew me. And this, do you let God be God? in all seasons. And I, I use the phrasing, let, because I think oftentimes we don't let him. And if we don't let him, there's no room for him. What are the things that God is doing in your life that you're just, you're not allowing him to actually move? You want to know something? If you don't let him, God, God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he's going to accomplish it. And if it's not done through you, it's going to be done through someone else. How many widows haven't come to know Jesus because you've not let God be God in your life? Again, these are things I was challenged with and things this week again that I was like, I've really kind of been failing there because I like control I like to know how things are going to line up and how things are going to be. 
when really he's like, just let me be God. And you want to know when we do, the burdens kind of get lifted a little bit more because we're not trying to carry it all because God can carry it a whole lot better. But there were two big things that I learned while I was in Georgia. And the first one was this. Sometimes God calls us away to call us close. And being pulled away and separated from things you're comfortable with is scary. If we're really honest, it's, it's scary. But if we're with him, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so if God is calling you somewhere, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be another state or another town. Maybe it is a brook. Maybe it's a pond. Maybe you just need to go and spend some time with him and be in his presence. If he's called you to those places, go. Because he wants to be close with you. He wants to walk with you. And then the second thing was this, apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't live, we can't move, we can't breathe if we don't have him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you letting him be the vine in your life? Now, I know some of you are probably like, okay, that's, that's all great and dandy. What is your main point? <laughs> Glad you asked. My main point is this. God is still God. The spirit is still moving. Jesus is still alive. I'm trying to put my mic back on, guys. It's difficult. There we go. God is still God. Jesus is still alive. The spirit is still moving. Believe in that. Live into that and love out of that. Because if you do, I think you might be amazed the type of people you can talk to. You know, Elijah was able to go before Ahab and be like, hey, this is what God is saying, just letting you know. But then he's able to believe this when God says, all right, I'm going to call you to a quieter place, and it's just going to be you and me, because that's just what you need. You and me, I'm going to be all that you have because I'm all that you need. And then Elijah believed in the same God when he was called to Zarephath and he was taken care of by a widow. And he was still believing in the same God when he raised that boy from the dead. Do you believe that God is doing something in all seasons in your life? And if you don't, I just want to encourage you this, the, the yellow part. Can we all read that together? Let God be God, because God is powerful. God is amazing. God is able to accomplish more than we could ever think or imagine, and that is biblical. <laughs> do you believe in him? Can we go back to the previous slide there, Dwight? Thank you. God, Jesus, Spirit, believe in the three, live, love. That's what being a believer is all about. That's what reading life is all about. Believe that he is still God when things look sky high and amazing and when things look a little dry. Because you have no idea what he has in store for you tomorrow. And it could be a Zarephath. You have no idea. 
So I hope this was just encouraging to you this morning. Again, this is just what I'm walking through, and it's what I'm being challenged with. Do I let God be God? Do I really believe He is who He says He is in all seasons and in all things? And if I do, is that changing the way that I walk? Is it changing the way that I talk? Let me pray for you. God, we just acknowledge that you are a God of wonders, that you are a God who sees deeper than we could ever see, that loves deeper than we could ever love. Would you help us to let you be God, to let you be the Father in our lives, to let you lead us and guide us? Would you help us to just be renewed by you, to rest in you, and to live out of you? Would you just fill us with your spirit, fill us with your presence and your power? Would you just fall afresh on us today, tomorrow, and for the many years to come? In Jesus' name.